0: Joining us today on Blue Bay Insights is David Wiley, Chief Investment Strategist. Hi, David. What's your view on the agreement by EU leaders on a new European recovery fund?
1: Hi, Alex. Well, when we previously discussed this policy um, initiative, I, I said that you know if it wasn't too watered down by opposition from the uh, so-called Frugal 4 EU members, it would be a big deal. And the outcome from the summit... Um, is quite close to the original proposal. And so I think it's a big deal. Um, EU leaders reached agreement on a 1.8 trillion euro um, financial settlement. So it actually increased the EU budget, despite the UK exit, to 1.1 trillion and, and actually established a, um, a new tax on uh, non-recyclable plastic. So you know, a step towards the EU budget having its own revenue base rather than being wholly dependent on Uh, member state contributions. And and then, as you um, said, there's a new uh, 750 billion euro uh, recovery fund. The the grant component of that fund has been cut from uh, 500 to 390 billion euros, but it's going to be front loaded and it's going to be skewed to those hardest hit by the coronavirus. And those grants are not going to be coming with uh, politically unpalatable strings attached Um, The agreement reached by EU leaders does have to be approved by the European Parliament in in October. Um, I think it's going to get through that with a few tweaks rather than any substantive change. So in in, in my view, this is a meaningful step towards fiscal union. Uh, The recovery fund is the first EU-wide counter-cyclical fiscal policy tool. And that's a pretty dramatic contrast to the sort of pro-cyclical austerity that was uh, imposed in response to previous crises, and and notably the Eurozone sovereign um, debt crisis. It's it's described as a one-off, but I do think the president is now set for a pan-European and shared fiscal response to crisis. And as such, I think it does reduce the total risk of uh, EU and Euro breakup. And the borrowing by the EU in the market to fund uh, the uh, program will create a new safe euro asset for investors that will be eligible for uh, purchase by the ECB and I think should reduce the scarcity premium on um, German bunds. The, the market reaction has been a bit of a classic buy the rumour and sell the fact uh, but I think it will support further convergence in eurozone government bond yields and I think is positive for euro credit and assets more broadly.
0: Is it big enough to support the recovery in the EU economy?
1: Yeah, I mean, the headline number for the recovery fund, 750 billion euros, is, is big, is sizable. It's equivalent to around 5% of EU GDP. And, you know, 70% of the grants um, are uh, scheduled to be dispersed next year and in um, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, Italy and Spain are potentially the amongst the biggest beneficiaries. It could be equivalent to 3 to 4% of their GDP. So I, I think it will be meaningful in terms of supporting recovery in those countries. Um, for the region as a whole, I don't think it's gonna meaningfully move the dial on growth for the region, at least in the um, near term. But you know, at the margin, it will support the European recovery next year and beyond it's still the case that the direct fiscal stimulus in Europe is less than that that's been put in place in the US. And it's one of the reasons why we still think the US recession will be less severe than the one in Europe.
0: You mentioned US fiscal stimulus. Congress is debating another budget package. What's the latest?
1: Uh, well, you know, the fiscal response to the crisis by Washington um, has actually been very uh, impressive. Um, they've had three fiscal packages today, totaling almost three trillion dollars. That's, you know, more than thirteen percent of uh, U.S. GDP. So it's it's, it's been huge, um, and and the direct spending and tax stimulus in the U.S. has been more than twice as big as that in uh, Europe. Uh, in, in Europe, there's been uh, more in the way of uh, bank loan guarantees to support businesses. Um, uh, rather than direct uh, fiscal support, but but much of the US fiscal stimulus has already been deployed and, and many of the provisions um, which are supporting household incomes and spending, such as an extra $600 um, on unemployment uh, insurance, expire at the end of this month. Um, Democrats in the House have proposed a $3.4 trillion package that includes extending um, the supplement on unemployment benefit, as well as aid for state and local governments. Uh, Republicans have said they're only willing to pass a $1 trillion package and and want to actually reduce the um, generosity uh, of the unemployment benefit because they believe it is discouraging a return to work and and oppose aid to state and local governments. Um, President Trump has been advocating a cut to payroll taxes and more infrastructure spending. So um, the, the significant gaps uh, between the various uh, parties. Uh, Time is running uh, short for negotiations to to, to come to a deal that can both pass Congress and be signed into law by the um, president. I I do think a deal will be done, but it's likely to go down to the wire and and markets may get nervous as it it does so. Um, Without a new package, the US faces a fiscal cliff of reduced stimulus, for the economy, just as the recovery is facing increasing headwinds from the spread of the virus across uh, many uh, US states. And, and as we've discussed before, Alex, I, I do think fiscal policy is critical and we'll have to do uh, you know, the heavy lifting to sustain the economic um, recovery rather than uh, relying completely on central bank and, and central bank uh, liquidity.
0: The Fed meets next week. What are you expecting? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I I share the market view that the Fed is unlikely to announce any substantive policy changes at its meeting next week. Uh, For now, I think the Fed is in wait and see mode. Uh, Policy rates are virtually zero. Um, It's buying around about $80 billion worth of uh, bonds a month. I I think the Fed will want to first see what emerges from from Washington on the fiscal side that we've just been um, discussing and have a couple of months for you tracking the um, economic recovery before it commits to new policy uh, initiatives. So not expecting very much from next Wednesday's Fed meeting, but Chairman Powell's press conference could offer some interesting hints on whether the Fed is likely to adapt its forward guidance on, on rates, for example, by committing not to increasing rates until inflation gets to its t- 2% target or higher, or even potentially yield curve control. What is yield curve control? So, it, it, you know, Unlike quantitative easing, yield curve control uh, is where the central bank directly targets the price of bonds rather than using volume, rather than using the volume of its uh, bond buy to influence longer term interest rates. Uh, the Bank of Japan has operated uh, a yield curve control since 2016 uh, with a 0% target for the 10-year Japanese government bond yield. And uh, interestingly, the Reserve Bank of Australia in March of this year, when it cut interest rates, also set a target of uh, a quarter percent point for the uh, Australian three-year bond. And, you know, what yield curve controls allowed the Bank of Japan and the Reserve Bank of Australia to do is to actually dramatically reduce the volume of their uh, bond purchases because the target the commitment to a specific yield is sufficiently credible that it's you know not tested by investors and I think that's part of the attraction of the yield curve uh, control approach is that you can keep yields low without having to keep on buying bonds and expanding your the, the central bank's balance sheet that said you know I think a concern for some at the Fed will be that if the economy and inflation pick up much faster than it expects then under a yield curve, control regime. It would actually be forced into unlimited buying of treasury bonds to prevent uh, yields rising as investors respond to stronger growth expectations of uh, higher inflation and ultimately of higher interest rates uh, in in, in the future. And and I think like QE, getting out of yield curve control is going to prove difficult. If, If it's abrupt, it could lead to a sharp repricing of treasury bonds and potentially big losses for you know systemically important uh, financial institutions such as uh, banks and insurance companies which which are obliged to hold a lot of uh, uh, treasury uh, securities so I, I on balance i don 't think the fed 's going to adopt yield curve control, but it is actively debating it as a policy option um, so you know later in the year one can 't discount that it that it does so if if so. I think it's more likely to target yields out to three years, similar to the uh, Reserve Bank of Australia approach as a way of reinforcing reinforcing its forward guidance that rates will stay at zero for at least the next few years and until the recovery is complete. Um, I think the Treasury curve would initially flatten as it would pull down short and intermediate yields and push Treasury investors into longer-dated bonds. Um, I, I think it would probably also be positively received by markets as it would also push more money into risky assets in, in search of return. Uh, just as an aside, I think it's much less likely that the ECB will adopt yield curve control. It's, it's just much more complicated for the ECB because there's 19 eurozone government bond yields uh, and, and, and curves uh, and it may face legal and political obstacles if yield curve control is perceived as an explicit targeting of the uh, credit spread on uh, Eurozone uh, sovereign debt.
0: Thank you, David, and speak to you soon. Thanks, Alex. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by Blue Bay. To the best of Blue Bay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the FC only and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer, except where agreed explicitly in writing, Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice, and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice, nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except pursuant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials, the offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management LLP. Copyright 2020 Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada. And the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered Trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay Group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.